Hello and welcome to the Stuck Brain Podcast. All things mental health with a different approach. We look at the research, but we also discuss real life experience. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Stuck Brain Podcast. My name is Eric. I am your host for the day. Today we have a guest named Dave Dubois. He is a meditation teacher, a psychedelic guide, and an integration coach. You can find out more about Dave at his website, which is radicalbalance.net. Now, he is helping me set up my own meditation practice. We are going to go over the small things that stop most of us from meditating. And we know through research, meditation is really beneficial for almost everybody. So this is important to me, and it's important to mental health in general. A little bit of housekeeping before we get started. If you are just joining us, this is a series of meditation episodes, and we are on episode six. If you haven't listened to any of the ones before that, go back and start it over from episode one. They are linear, and they'll make sense if you listen to them in order. Okay, with that being said, on to the episode. Hello, Dave. Welcome to the podcast. Good to see you again. Hey, Eric. Good morning. How are you doing today? Pretty good. So you want to kind of go over what we uh, talked about last week? Yeah, sure. So last week, we're going further with the practice in terms of getting into the meat of the practice, if you will, by starting to talk about loosening and tightening, finding the, the middle way between effort and relaxation. And what I proposed last week, and I think we were on the same page about this, is most people in modern culture, when starting to practice meditation, are more likely to need a little bit of loosening and a little bit of relaxation versus needing to really tighten up. It seemed like that was the case with you, especially indicated by some of the monkey mind experiences, which are often a, a sign of an invitation to begin loosening. Yeah. So I wonder how your practice has gone, you know, not just with that as the frame and the lens, but how your practice has been going in general over the last week. Yeah. So over the last week, it's been, you know, I've been consistent every day. I have not missed a day. Great. I'm at the eight minutes, which I still think is pretty good. I think I'm getting closer to expanding that. Like last week, I didn't want to expand it. This week, I'm kind of on the on the edge. I think eight is still probably pretty good, but I can see myself outgrowing that pretty quick. Also, now that you do mention it, I was meditating today and there was, I got up later than normal. And so there was a lot of noise, not necessarily in my house, but outside my house. And instead of trying mm -hmm. to tune it out and just be like, you know, I'm not paying attention to that. Focus, focus, focus. You know how we talked about the egg analogy and putting yes. all my, my attention on the egg, I kind of just let the sound waves hit my ear. There's a dog barking. And I was actually kind of amazed when you think about it. Like that dog is pretty far away. It barks. That sound has to travel and it's hitting my eardrum as I'm trying to meditate. And when you start to kind of pull it apart, I know that sounds cheesy, but at the same time, I was like, that's pretty, that's amazing. And so I feel like I did loosen a little bit, you know, because before I would have been like, Oh, no, tune out the dog. Got to focus on the breath. Got to focus on the breath and try to pull it back. Right. It sounds like there's a little bit more allowing that took place in your experience of what might have 
previously been a distraction. Yeah, yeah. And and in doing that, it actually brought me more present, which I enjoyed. And I think that's the thing that I'm going to get most out of meditation is trying to constantly bring me more present. And I was doing more research on meditation and they were saying eight weeks, there's some research saying it could change your brain, but there's some research that says, no, you need longer than that. But they were saying that it can definitely bring you more present. And I think I am noticing that. Yeah, for sure. And I think it has the ability to bring you more present with zero training and zero timing. Every time you actually tune into what's going on in your environment and that you've cultivated the ability to do that, it's showing up in that moment. It's it's working exactly as you're talking about. And the movement that you described today, the peripheral awareness detecting the the presence of something that has the potential to distract, and then the move to include and loosen to allow it to be there, to accommodate, to not push anything outside of your awareness has the effect of actually bringing you more present versus some kind of struggle with the present moment that that happens when you try to exclude some part of your experience. So yeah, that's a really well-described kind of milestone in the practice that you experienced this morning. Yeah, yeah, and it, it was very helpful. And, and I'm noticing when I bring myself more present over and over, I think my anxiety will probably decrease because usually I'm having anxiety about the future. I mean, that's usually what anxiety is. You know, you're forward thinking and then, you know, the saying is you're depressed because you're reminiscing about the past. So it, it makes sense. The more often I can bring myself to the present, then I'll have less anxiety and less depression over time. Yeah. Well, that that sounds... That sounds good and logical. What's your experience been around that? Do you have any any glimpses or any hunches from from what you've noticed? I feel like it's moving in that direction. But then at the same time, you know, I want to be as objective as possible. So I don't know if it's placebo or if it's actually me doing the work, right? Because I'm skeptical by nature. So I'm always like, you know, I want to, I want to, I want to make sure that what I'm seeing and feeling is real which is interesting. Yeah, you're looking for some, you're the, the normal, logical, kind of empirical part of your mind is looking to see if the outputs and the results of, of all of this effort seem to, to be worth it and to correlate to, to effects that you're seeing out in the world that can veer into the realm of, of expectations. But up until the point that it veers into the realm of expectations, I think that that's a useful way of trying to really understand Am I understanding the practice? Am I doing it well? And how is it serving me? How's it showing up? Yeah. You had mentioned starting to extend your practice out into the world a little bit at times while walking and maybe some other experiences. And I wonder what you're noticing now as you are paying attention in the post-meditation experience. Yes, I am noticing that I am doing that more often, consciously, consciously. It's not unconsciously yet. I'll have to pay attention to how I'm feeling. And then I usually say, oh, let's try to bring this into, you know, the walk or I was at a social event and I was getting anxious around that. So I, I brought, I actually brought it to the breathing. I was like, okay, I'm going to breathe here and just kind of let that stuff fade to the side. So I do think it is a helpful skill to have that I'm honing in 
outside of, you know, the morning routine. Yeah. Good, good. And, and, and another thing to remember is that we're in the early stages of getting this practice rebooted and you've had a pretty smooth and to some degree obstacle free, or at least you're handling the obstacles along the way approach to this, but we're still just six weeks into this, into getting your practice rebooted, which is really great. And you're having, you're having awesome progress along the way, but also remember that being able to attend to your breath in the present moment and the sensations of breathing is not the, the be all end all goal that we're working towards here. It's almost the, the first major milestone that then opens up the realm of meditation to the hundreds of further deeper potential practices and applications that you could be using meditation for. This is, we're just still, it's not like the mountaintop is right ahead. It's kind of like standing up on the surfboard is right ahead. And, and then after that, it's a question of what are you going to do with that? And where do you want to go with that? Yeah. Yeah. I'm glad you said that because I have to remind myself I'm at the beginning stages. I know this might be premature, but I did listen to some people that do like meditation retreats and I could see myself venturing into that realm and pushing it more than, you know, cause I'm only doing it eight minutes a day, every day. Right. What would that look like? Is that a goal that, is that a, like a, a good goal to kind of set, even though I don't really want to set goals because I don't really like, yes, yes. you know, because you get a goal, you get there and then you're, you're like, now what? And then you have to set a new goal kind of thing. Yeah. What's your feeling around that? Meditation retreats, it's an interesting topic because one of the things that's very clear when you look around is that meditation masters, people whose lives have been totally transformed by meditation and who have also put in the work to understand how to transmit it and teach it and share it with other people, they don't stop meditating. They, they continue to meditate throughout their life. And most of the masters spend some amount of time in retreat, usually every year. And so it's not surprising to me that with the eight minutes of practice a day that you've been doing after six weeks that you might be recognizing and thinking about, oh, I wonder if that's some kind of future possibility. I think it's appropriate at this point because your, your practice is starting to, to deepen and take roots. And so I think it's a, it's a great aspiration and goal to have whenever you feel like it's an appropriate time. I've been on four week meditation retreats, 28 days long, where there were people there who had never practiced meditation a minute before in their life. Wow. And they, they made it through those four weeks. I think that that's a, that can be a bit of a difficult introduction and a harrowing way to get into it. It's really jumping in the deep end. But all that to say, you probably have accumulated enough minutes on the meditation cushion to get some benefit out of a, a meditation retreat right now. And it's also, it's not exactly the natural point where I would be recommending that you go do a meditation retreat, mm -hmm. but it's something to think about. And the one last note I just want to put on that is an obvious good response would be to do something really accessible like a weekend meditation retreat or something like that, just a, a Saturday, Sunday type thing. The only thing that I'll caution about that is that it often takes a couple of days 
to really settle and relax into a meditation retreat. And if you're always just doing two and three day weekend meditation retreats, you're almost sometimes exposing yourself to the most difficult parts of the practice without ever just getting on the other side of that hump. But this is interesting because the one thing I'll notice as we're discussing this, and then I should let you speak, is that we're starting to talk about lengthening the practice again. Whether, whether we're talking about going from eight minutes to you know seven days or something like that, maybe an interesting place to discuss that would be like going to, to 10 minutes or occasionally to 15 minutes or something like that. Or another one would be doing eight minutes, going and doing another activity for 15 minutes, and then coming back and doing another eight minutes pretty soon after that and noticing how the experience and how your mind is affected in that situation. These would be ways that I would encourage you in response to what you're bringing up right now. Okay. That's interesting because I didn't even think about that, doing eight minutes and then leaving, go and do my morning routine or whatever I do and then come back. Are you thinking like 30 minutes later, an hour later, or what does that look like? It, it could be as soon as... 15 minutes later, as long as an hour later, however it actually works. I remember noticing as my meditation practice was growing that when I started going to Saturdays and Sundays at my local meditation center, they would have three hours of meditation in the morning, three hours in the afternoon. And for a long time, I was just going to the morning sessions. And then one day I went to lunch and came back for the afternoon session. And I I was really surprised at all sorts of things that happened in that second session that felt like I'd never experienced that in a first session before. So I, that was the first time, and that has, I've continued to observe that in longer meditation retreats, that there's something interesting that happens with multiple sessions and as sessions start getting longer that you're just not going to experience in the shorter sessions, especially at the beginning. Yeah, yeah. And I've been doing a lot of reading and kind of research too. And to talk about your one point about the retreats, there was one retreat that a guy was talking about where I think it was 10 days and a lot of people wanted to leave at day two or three. And the instructor was like, look, just hang out one more day and then you'll be over that hump. And all of them, pretty much if they stayed the fourth day, they stayed the 10 because they, exactly what you said, you get through that uncomfortableness. So those weekend retreats, I, that's a good point. You kind of never really get through that that hump, that uncomfortableness into the enjoyment part of it. Yeah. For me, should I try the eight, hold for 15 minutes and then come back and do another eight? Or could I do five or? Yeah, you come back and do five after that. Sure. No, no need to, you know, suddenly double the amount that you're doing. I think that would be really interesting. Do eight, come back a few minutes later and do five. Okay. And, and then at some point also try a 10 and see how it feels. It's so strange, the perception of time within a meditation session. I very clearly remember a, a time when my sessions were starting to get longer. And I, I just sat down one day. It was at a, in a new meditation center in a new meditation hall. And I was just convinced that I had been there for over an hour. Mm-hmm and looked and it had been less than 15 minutes oh. and i just it really it stunned me because it wasn't i was certain that i had been there like more than an hour yeah and 
Yeah, it's really peculiar to see how your experience of time unfolds when you're actually just paying attention in the present moment or trying to. Yeah, time is so relative. I did one of those float tanks a long time ago, and I thought I was in there for hours, and same thing, I was only in there for like 30 minutes. The guy's like, you quit early, and I'm like, it's been hours. And he's like, no, it's been about 30 minutes. I'm like, really? Time totally warped for me. It's yeah. interesting how the mind is like that, how we perceive it. Yeah. Okay. So this week, I, it sounds like I got a little bit of homework. So I'll do eight minutes, pause, anywhere from come back to the, the cushion 15 minutes to an hour later, any time in that frame. And I'll do an either five or eight follow-up. And then a couple times I'll try maybe 10 full minutes all at once. Yeah, that sounds good in terms of timing. Okay. It sounds like a great adjustment and progression. And I wonder if I should offer you the other half of the, we had discussed loosening and relaxing a little bit last week to counteract excitation and agitation. Yeah. And I could also give you the brief instructions this week for working with the opposite end of the spectrum, which is working with dullness or laxity where you feel like the focus, what you're trying to pay attention to, the sensations of breathing are really dull and remote and far out there and, and kind of almost like you're on the side of laziness or drowsiness within the practice and how to respond in, in that situation. Okay. Yeah. Let's go through that. Great. So if you should find yourself, and to some degree, I would suggest you should find yourself at this end of the spectrum at some point, because what I'm encouraging right now is a further and further and further loosening and relaxation to work with the experience of distracting thoughts, mm -hmm. that at some point you could let that go to the point where things flip in the opposite direction. And you're actually now starting to, I think zone out is almost a, a decent term for it. The meditation's not fresh anymore. It's you're not agitated, but you're almost sinking a little bit. Everything was almost getting a little cloudy and a little loose and a little blurry. Okay. And so in this case, you want to find some ways to to slightly tighten up your technique and to kind of uplift and engage and lean into the practice a little bit more. So the first thing that I recommend upon noticing that your practice is getting a little dull is to first just take a moment and reconnect with your intention as, as you had or as you may have at the beginning of the session. Just kind of drop the practice for a minute and reconnect with why are you here? Okay. What, what is this? What brought you to this? And, and why are you sitting down or laying down or doing this particular session right now? Okay. And then the next piece of this is to notice with more of your present moment attention, the clarity and the vividness and the details of the meditation object that you're paying attention to. Okay. So in this case, working with the sensations of the breathing, and we've been talking about mostly doing that around the nostrils and inside the nose, mm -hmm. you like really turning up the brightness and turning up the amount of attention that you're trying to pay attention to how cool does the cool air feel coming in through my nose and how different does it feel on the way in mm -hmm. and on the way out 
And how does my nose feel in the gap in between the in-breath and the out-breath versus during? Really trying to tune in, notice what you can notice and, and just really focus on the details more. Okay. So when I'm starting to feel dull. Yeah. That you're, it, it, so, so this is in the spoon balancing analogy. This is now bringing more attention back to the spoon and the egg and what's going on there. That it's almost like you started paying so much attention to what was around you that you started to lose the focus of what's right in front of you and you're you're shifting that back okay got it got it and the one other piece that that can accompany that and help is a really subtle and small adjustment to your posture which is without changing anything else if you're practicing with your eyes open you can raise where your eyes are looking or where they're falling from say just a few feet in front of you to more like 10 or 12 feet in front of you. Okay. Raising your eyes, not that you're looking at anything or trying to pay attention to anything more, but just the effect that it has on your system of, of raising your eyes up a little bit from having them more cast down will, can also help refresh and enliven and tighten your technique a little bit to, to increase focus in the present moment. Okay. That's great. Yeah. So it sounds like I got a lot to kind of work with this week. Yeah. I would propose that this next stage that you're in, you will learn a lot as you feel into the balance between tightening and loosening your attention and awareness and finding the balance that you need in that moment between those two that keeps you settled and present yeah doing this activity will bring me more present the whole time that's shortening the amount of time that you are distracted and lengthening the amount of time that you are in the present moment with what you're paying attention to is the goal at this point and these tightening and loosening responses are ways to move further towards that goal Perfect. That'll be good. I think that's a good amount of stuff for me to try over the next week to meet with you again. Sounds great. Stick with it because it's about to get juicy. I, I can I can almost guarantee it. Yeah. <laughs> I am excited. I am I am enjoying it. It is becoming more of a habit because like I haven't missed a day and I'm just getting up and yeah, trying to great. make it part of my routine that this is just what I do. You know, like the same part of me that goes and grabs a cup of tea or coffee in the morning. Hopefully this will become that, that habit. Yeah. Perfect. Well, thanks for meeting with me again today. I look forward to next week and good luck with your practice. Once again, thank you for listening to our podcast. And those of you that have taken time to leave reviews and contact us through Instagram, thank you. You can see the show notes at stuckbrainpodcast.com. You can also visit us on Instagram at stuckbrainpodcast, and you can leave what topics you want to hear next.